the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to my mommy and her friends on Trails and Testimonies. Come on, y'all. Let's go. Welcome to Trails and Testimonies. My name is Kim Fitz. Today, we have the privilege of hiking and chatting with Courtney at Clinton Nature Preserve in West Georgia. Every time I tried to walk into the living room with our bag and with River, he would move or wake up and he would not allow us to leave. So I went into the bedroom and I locked the door. There was no way that we could have gotten out. I was, I was terrified. Courtney has overcome a lot and is a testimony that will certainly encourage and inspire. So grab your coffee or grab your hike in boots and walk with us as we walk through Clinton Nature Preserve. First, I want to start off by just saying thank you again. Thank you for coming on Trails and Testimonies, but thank you for being a teacher right now in the midst of all of, um, I would say chaos, but I watched a service on Sunday and I love what he was saying about sometimes God just does interruptions. So this odd interrupted year. Thank you so much for teaching during it. It's a blessing to teach these children, especially during this time, because the parents trust you enough to bring the kids to you. I'm a parapro kindergarten, so there is a lot to do for kindergartners in general because they're so young and they don't know a lot, but it is it is a blessing to be able to teach the kids. Have you come across any wet shoelaces for the beginning of the year? <laughs> <laughs> I have not. <laughs> not, dun, yet. Dun, dun. not yet. <laughs> but do not fear. It says in the Bible, do not fear even wet shoelaces. <laughs> no telling what it could be. Right. Could just be water. <laughs> that is true. And you were actually raised in the church. You were very much involved when you were a kid as well with your parents. Yes. My mom was a Sunday school director, a Sunday school teacher. She was part of the choir. We went to a smaller church, so she was the VBS director, women's ministry director. The church was probably my first home, and then our house was my second home. So you could take your shoes off and run around the church and be comfy. Yes, I was very familiar with all the classrooms and the resource room. That smell never changes. A Sunday school little class. Yes. The smell never ever changes like and old not, building yes and crayons <laughs> and markers yes. and your testimony begins we're going to fast forward yes you were raised in the church and you were involved and you were saved you said at the age of six right my sister was kind of my idol and um I wanted to be just like her and do everything that she was doing. So she went down to the altar and prayed the prayer of salvation. And she was legit saved at probably 10 years old. And she was baptized. And then I thought, well, if she's doing it, I have to. So I went down and thought I was praying the sinner's prayer. But I wasn't actually saved until seventh grade, which I think I was 12 And it wasn't like the gates of heaven opened up and a light shone down on me or anything like that. It was at first priority, which is where they would have like devotions once a week. And the guy who was leading the devotion happened to be my youth pastor at the time. 
I felt my heart was actually broken and the Holy Spirit was really calling me to be part of his plan and his flock. What do you mean when you say your heart was broken? I think that he was just kind of saying like, you have lived in sin. I know that you need to be part of my family and I know that you can be better. And it kind of broke me down as like, I felt guilty almost and really sad about how I was living. But then after that, whenever God saves you, it makes you a more joyful person. It's weird that even at the age of 12, yes, we're born sinners, but I feel like it was more into my 20s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> then when I was that's 12. That's to come in the story. <laughs> and that's when he wrecked me, yeah. you know, beautifully. Yes. Like what beautifully you said. Beautifully broken. Yes. <laughs> and, and I finally, it, it clicked. And I realized. So we're going to fast forward into your story as well. So you did do that. And then uh, come high school. Sorry, we're like fighting ants over here. There's so (laughs) many ants. Love all God's creatures. We're killing them all. (laughs) It's okay. They're in heaven now. (laughs) So things changed a bit when you were in your junior year. Yes. And it was not a bad change at all. It was just a transition. And as humans, by nature, we get comfortable where we are. And we don't like to, or I'm going to speak for myself, not for everybody else. I don't like to transition. So like I said before, my sister was like my hero, my example. She was who I followed. I wanted to be just like her, do everything that she was doing. And then she up and got married. My junior year of high school, how dare she? And but I mean, <laughs> to I, a great guy, right? I Come love on. her husband. I love who she got married to. His family is so welcoming, and like even to me, they're huge impacts on my life as well. Even now, she got married and moved in with her husband, as you should and you do. And I just thought, man, half of me was just stripped away, and then I didn't have her to go vent to across the hall or steal her clothes across the hall and that's what I was really upset about my wardrobe got cut in half (laughs) (laughs) but yeah (laughs) but um it was very it was a huge transition having her live with me for 16 years and then I say be taken away but you know just being married and moving on with her life like she needed to and that she should well that was my my sister she moved um up to Maine Oh, wow. When yeah, I was see, about mine was 17. Down the road. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you can't do that. Like, this is illegal. Yeah. This is not illegal. <laughs> right. So things, of course, changed. And as you said, and you said, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I am one that doesn't like a lot of change right. either. So things changed as well when she was gone into your senior year. My grandmother, who we've always been really close to, Her husband at the time passed away, and she was able to move in with us. We were able to have a room for her, a bathroom for her. My mom became her caregiver. It was a great experience having her live with us because I only got to see her in summers because she lived in North Carolina. So it was kind of like we made up for lost time. That was when I felt Satan. I mean, just the smallest of cracks that you have. He just kind of weasels and slides so Mm -hmm. smoothly into your heart and into your brain And he just kind of planted all these little lies that were like, well, Stephanie got all this attention her senior year. And that's my sister. Sorry, I didn't didn't clarify that. (laughs) (laughs) My sister got all this attention her senior year. You're not going to get the same because your mom has to take care of your grandmother. That's what she was called to do. And I would do the same for my mom. But in the moment, you get selfish and it's like, well... 
why isn't all the attention on me? And never once did my parents ever make me feel like I was being put on the back burner. They did everything they could, and they were there for everything. And it was just Satan. I let him basically pitch a tent and camp out in my brain for nine to ten years after that. And he gets comfy. Oh, yeah. He likes to be comfortable, too. (laughs) (laughs) And he gets comfy. (laughs) So you graduated high school, and then you went into uh, West Georgia. Is that correct? In college? Yes. I went to the University of West Georgia, where I was starting to play volleyball out there. That was when I kind of went, not kind of, I very much so went wild, I guess is how you would say it. And I quit playing sports. I quit going to class. And you have an ugly camper in your head. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> super ugly. Like Christmas lights strung up and everything. <laughs> but not the cute Christmas lights, no. which I'm so ready for, by the way. Yes. <laughs> so excited about the Christmas lights yes. and all the fall things, which we are right at the peak of. So everything was changing pretty dramatically within those couple of years. At this point, when I went off to college, I completely quit going to church. I graduated high school in 2008. So the next nine years after that, I was the furthest from God I have ever been in my entire life. And it's so weird that you don't even recognize it when you're living in that moment. You don't recognize it until you come back to him because he's such a gentleman and he just reveals all this stuff to you little by little because if he would have revealed everything to me at once, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. I don't think anybody could. That was when I started to seek attention and to seek love and comfort, but in all the wrong places. We've talked a couple of times on the podcast about a void that you that you fill and that you try to fill. <laughs> Two different fills. And sometimes you feel that void and you fill it with things that you shouldn't fill it with. Yes. But that's just our human nature of not knowing initially why we're empty. And you don't even realize that you're empty because you're trying to fill it with all this stuff, like tangible things, you know, relationships, and then... You get in a relationship and then you just think, well, this isn't good enough. I need more. It's like a snowball effect. And so you got in a couple of unhealthy relationships or was it just one? I would say that every relationship that I was in, it was like a carnival ride, like the Ferris wheel. You go around a couple of times and then you go on to something else. It was like a pattern. Like every two years I was with someone new because I would get bored or I would think, you know, this isn't who I'm supposed to be with because in the back of my head, It was always the Holy Spirit saying, come back to me. You don't need this. So I would listen and I would get out of that and I would, you know, go home and go to church with my parents one weekend or maybe two weeks in a row. Then I would be right back living the lifestyle because I was not ready to give that up yet. What happened with one of the unhealthy relationships? I knew right off the bat there were a million red flags that we should not be together and that he was not who God had for me. And at this point in my life, it was kind of like, I know that he's not as bad as the previous guys I have dated, so let's just try him out anyway. And that was definitely Satan saying like, you know, you're strong enough. You cannot give in to the temptation and to the sins. So I started dating him. This isn't shocking because of the cycle that I was living and what I was doing, but we found out that we were pregnant and we weren't married and I was prepared for my parents to kick me out on the street because I was just like, you know, my mom was born in church. I was born in church. This is not going to go over well. We told them that we were pregnant 
in January of 2017, and then we ended up getting married in April of 2017. We moved into a rental house May of 2017, and it was really crazy, too, during all of this. I was saved. I was a Christian. I wasn't living it at the time, but God was still providing and showing me, like, hey, I'm still here. I can still provide for you. Just think, if you come and follow me again, what all I can do for you. So we were able to rent a house that was literally in Cowan Mill Church parking lot. Like, you pulled into the church parking lot to get to my driveway. So, of course, when we moved in, I'm like, well, we can't not go to church because when everyone leaves church, they'll see me and think, you know, in the, pajamas. Right. They'll <laughs> know that I didn't go to church. So I have to start going, which I think that was a good, I mean, it's not a good mindset to have that, like, oh, well, I got to go to church because I live in the parking lot. But I think God placed me there to kind of give me like a little nudge, like, here you go. I'm giving, I'm literally laying this in your driveway. I started attending. My husband at the time did not go, but he did go to a few recovery classes that were offered on Friday evenings because he was a recovering addict. I had stopped doing like the prescription drugs. He had not yet, but you know, that was something that I thought that, well, as long as I'm going to church, God will help me change him. And I feel like that is such a big thing thing that a lot of us do is try to change somebody else. Yes. Like we were talking about change and control. So how far along were you at this point in your pregnancy? When we moved into the house, I was four months pregnant. So in January of 2017, before we told my parents, we lied to them and we told them we were going to Wednesday night church. So it was a Wednesday night. He and I had kind of discussed, like, we don't need to bring a child into this world together. He already had a daughter that he didn't really see, which was one of the red flags that I should have responded to. And we had come to the conclusion, like, well, maybe we shouldn't have this baby. There's clinics everywhere. So we never said the word abortion because it made us both really sad to think about because it's not natural. Like you're not supposed to get those. I had taken four pregnancy tests because I just didn't want to believe them. And they were all positive. So we were like, well, let's just go see how far along we are because we just wanted to know what we were going to be getting rid of. Because we, I mean, it was confirmed that we were not going to have this baby. So we go to the Pregnancy Resource Center. They are a Christian-based organization, but they were so, so nice to us. And I told her, I was like, we just found out that we're pregnant. I don't believe the pregnancy test. I know you probably use the same ones from Walmart or Dollar General, but I just feel like it's more legit coming here. And so she said, you know, we do ultrasounds. And even if it's just a little speck, we'll be able to see it. We'll look and see what, like, what are your options? I was like, well, we don't want to have this child. And she was like, well, let's talk about adoption. Like, we have a lot of adoptions that we could put the child through and all that. And I thought, well, no, because if I carry it for nine months, I'm going to want to keep it. I don't even want to carry it, so let's just not even discuss that. And she just, I'm going to start crying, sorry. And she prayed with me, and then she um, 
brought up the ultrasound and she just looked at the little machine and was like, do you want to see what's on the screen? Well, I don't know like what morbid brain cell in my body was like, yeah, we want to see it, even though I wasn't planning on keeping it. So I looked at the screen and I just saw like this little floating dot (laughs) and I was like, oh my goodness, that's so cute. And she's like, well, I think you're a lot further along than you think you are. You're 12 weeks. And I was like, I'm pretty sure my jaw hit the floor and my eyes almost popped out of my head. And I was like, I'm having this baby. I can't get rid of this. So I came like, <laughs> I, sorry, I came out of the the room crying. And my boyfriend at the time was like, you know, was everything okay? I was like, we're having this child. Like whether you want to or not, I know that this is Oh gosh, sorry. I know that God has put this child here for a reason, even if it's to change my life around, but we we are having this child. It's not <laughs> it's not sweat, it's actual tears. <laughs> and how old is that child now? My goodness, that bundle of joy is a solid 40 pounds and he will be 3 on September 28th. He's a little football player. Yes, he is. He is. He's a linebacker. Oh, my goodness. So that is part of his testimony. Yes. Ah, Okay. (laughs) So you left the Pregnancy Resource Center. And how did things progress from there? We had to go tell my mom, my mom and dad. So that was one of the hardest things that I have ever had to do. They weren't mad like, oh, you're having a baby and we're going to hate this child. They they were not like that at all. They were so forgiving and loving from day one. They were just, you know, like when your parents say, I'm mad at you, it's like, oh, okay. But then whenever they say, I'm disappointed in you, it's like, oh, that cut me <laughs> just like a punch. In the, I'd rather get punched in the face than my parents tell me that they're disappointed in me. Right. So then, you know, that was later that year in April when we got married. In May, we moved into the house. So life was really rough while being married. I thought that if I changed my life around, like going to church, that I could convince my husband to change his as well. Sidebar, you are not able to change anyone. Only God can. If they're not willing to surrender that to God, God can't do his work in their life because they're not going to accept it. On September 28th, 2017, not only was it the day that my son was born, but that was when I completely became clean. So it wasn't just a celebration of River's life. His name's River, by the way. I I didn't say that either. I keep throwing in these names. Um, But that was, it was a celebration of River's life, but it was also a celebration of a new beginning for me. And talk about the meaning and the power of water. And you naming him River. That is so powerful. I know. I really wish that I had like a really cool story. But honestly, there's a lot of references to rivers in scripture. I love to say like, oh yeah, I named him after like this specific part in scripture. But I just think of like, I couldn't name him water because that would be weird. Of course, river's kind of weird too. But just like the water of life and people gather at the river and then you have like the peaceful rivers and then Moses that was sent to where God called him and allowed him to be led to was through a river. And so I think it's just a powerful way of life. Honestly, I'm a huge hiker nature person and he was literally just named after like a body of water. Was it a water birth? 
No, okay. it wasn't. <laughs> I was like, can I ask that? Like, I have mad respect for people who do that. No, I had right. an epidural. I uh, I tried to go without an epidural, but, you know, I had an epidural and he was formula fed. But he's super smart, super strong-willed, adorable. But, you know, he tests my patience, but I think a lot of people do. That's what they're supposed to do. That's part right. of their job. Yes, I'm learning that. <laughs> and I, I don't always plan them this way but God does it's so beautiful how God plans the release of these episodes because coming up this will be released in September you get to celebrate River's birth his birthday and you also get to celebrate a birthing of you yeah as well yes so congratulations and happy birthdays <laughs> thank coming you up. thank you so what happened after he was born. I didn't even just quit drugs. I quit that way of life, I feel like. I quit trying to change my husband at the time into being someone that he wasn't ready to be. I just gave it all over to God. You kicked that guy that was camping out in your head. Yes. Out. And so I thought, like, well, since I handed this all over to God, things should just fall into place and it'll get much easier. Right. Well, (laughs) that was a slap in the face. In February of 2018 to May of that same year, my husband didn't come home from work one day. I tried to call him a few days, and then he would never respond. And then finally, God was just kind of like, you don't want to know where he is and what he's doing. That's not your life anymore. I'm going to take care of that. So you just focus on being the best you in me that you can be and raising River how you should. So that's what I really tried to focus on. And then I was finally at peace with all of that. And then one day in May, my ex-husband showed up. I never asked him where he was or where he had been because I honestly, at that point, I say I didn't care, but it was really like I didn't want to know. And all I was concerned with at that time was the safety of our son and myself So one evening, and like I said, he was a recovering addict and an active alcoholic, I guess is what you would call it. So one evening in June of 2018, he had been drinking too much and he fell asleep on the couch. I was very uncomfortable there because we had kind of gotten in a verbal argument like we did a lot. I thought that if I could just pack a bag, River and I could go stay with my parents for the night. Like, no big deal. We just need some space. Like, I know you've been gone for a while, but we just needed some time apart. Every time I tried to walk into the living room with our bag and with River, he would move or wake up and he would not allow us to leave. So I went into the bedroom and I locked the door. There was no way that we could have gotten out. I was, I was terrified. So... I didn't mention this, but previously in one of my relationships, it wasn't a physically abusive relationship. It was very verbal. I had drawn so far away from my family. I just thought like, you know, I could easily just take this bottle of pills and not be a burden to my family anymore and not have to work at getting the relationship back with them that I have completely shattered and destroyed. I could just you know, not be here anymore. And no one would have to worry about me. No one, I wouldn't have to cause my mom any pain. I wouldn't have to make her worry. Everyone would be fine because I'm not a part of the family anyway. So it's really not that much of a loss. That's what Satan had convinced me of. I fell asleep because I was so drugged up. I fell asleep and woke up the next day. Thank God. 
and just kind of shook off the thought that I had had the night before. And that was the first night that I ever had this thought. But then when we were locked in the bedroom, I held River and I sat on the bed and I just told God, I don't want to get a divorce because I know that you you frown upon divorces, which, I mean, he does. He doesn't love them, but there are reasons and ways that God allows you. If it's not his will, then it's not going to work out. But I remember just holding River and crying and telling him, just go ahead and take both of us now because there's no way I'm going to be able to divorce this man if he's not even letting me leave the house for a night. And then we don't have to worry about going through a divorce process and putting River through that. And neither one of us have to live with this. It would be easier if both of us just died. And so, like, I begged God to give us an out. And if he didn't, then to just take our lives. Because there was no way that we would be able to live with that and grow up with that. I am so glad that you're both here. Yes. That God said, uh, no, you actually would be a major loss. Yeah. And so would River. And so you got through that night. Yes. And it was about three weeks after that incident happened, my husband at the time decided that he was going to check himself into a rehab facility. And I thought that was great. I cheered him on for that. I encouraged him, but I also told him, I'm going to pray that you become the man that God wants you to be and that you need to be. But I still don't think that it is God's will for us to stay together. And I guess he wasn't there yet and ready to hear that. So when he um, checked into the rehab facility, we have not heard from him since then. In September of 2018, River and I were able to move back in with my parents in their house where I grew up. So I'm kind of glad that River's growing up in the same house I've always lived in. And they have shown us so much grace, just like God showed me. And because I remember my mom telling me one time, she was like, I just wanted to let you know that I don't worry about you anymore. And I was kind of like, well, that's rude. Like, you need to worry about me because I'm out here doing who knows what. And she was like, no, I just wanted you to know that I have completely given you over to God. And his word promises that if you raise a child up in the ways of the Lord, they will come back. So, wow, my mom has definitely been the biggest influence and example. And I tell her this all the time, like, I almost killed you from worry and from suffering because there were nights she told me that and this (laughs) I don't know why this part's going to make me cry but she's like I would make a plate of supper for you and leave it in the microwave for you to come home that night like you would tell me you were coming home but then we wouldn't hear from you for three days so I would just go like completely AWOL and I'm like well why didn't y'all ever send like police out looking for me you didn't ever think that I was missing and she's like I honestly didn't want to know where you were and what you were doing. I knew that you were okay. I didn't want to know. And so hopefully now the relationship is better. There's no more food left in the microwave. It's actually on the table. (laughs) It all gets eaten. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, my um, relationship with my parents is probably better now than it was before because it's a lot of I told you so's now and they get to laugh at me trying to parent (laughs) my son where I put them through so much and now... They're like, oh, well, yeah, you did that when you were little. My son and I, we don't have a relationship with his dad's family, but I think that's honestly 
been a blessing because there were a lot of issues there. When people are like, oh my goodness, you're a single mom. I tell them no, because I'm not like I have my mom. I have my dad. I have, (laughs) I have like this, the biggest support system. When they say it takes a village, it literally does. And just everyone that has poured them. (laughs) Now I have really big sweat coming out of my eyeballs. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's just like everyone that has poured. We have just been shown so much love and support. And like you can't do it by yourself. So not having a partner there has been okay for me because I've had so many people helping us out because you have the biggest partner that helped plan and organize your village yes and the world like yes it just it's very why (laughs) hello helicopter (laughs) we're safe it's okay (laughs) that was a good uh, page break there (laughs) But I love that it has come full circle, too, that Rivers is being raised in the church now. And he will be familiar. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, we are there six days a week. (laughs) It's been a huge blessing. And for someone who tried to control someone and change them, I know we talked about this earlier. um, I'm a control freak. And it. It's not specifically in the Bible, but there are verses where it says, like, don't be a control freak. And going through all this helped me realize that you can't do this on your own. There's no one on this earth that can make it through day by day on their own without God guiding you and just giving you that peace and that love, all the fruits of the spirit that he shows us that we should portray also Like you cannot do this by yourself. And he is always there and willing to accept people into his family I was already a believer, but then God allowed me to be brought back to the faith. And I'm so glad that he did it so gently because he could have like brought the wrath down on me and he probably should have, but I'm so, so grateful that he didn't. He still continues to reveal it to me just little by little. And he's had so many reasons to allow me to stay astray and just forget about me. But he never did. He never has. And he never will. And that's promised to us. Whenever I was at Cowan Mill, they showed this video. It's the story of Hosea and Gomer. You know, he had to go buy his own wife back. But he did it over and over again, no matter how many times she left him. And I just think that that's a good illustration of how God continues to go out and search for us and bring us back. And even though... The next day we get up and we sin again. He still goes out and searches for us and brings us back. And I just think that that's an amazing story of his persistence and his love for us and his grace and his mercy that he shows us and continues to show us. He brings new life to all dead things and he is the new life. Whatever it is that people can't let go of, that you think that you can't live without, whether like it's like for me, it was relationships and then it turned into drugs and then it turned into being in control, being filled with the Holy Spirit and living for him every day is a greater high, I guess, than any drug that I have ever been on. And I used to not really read my Bible that much, but now even being a Sunday school teacher, it kind of forces me to read it more, which I enjoy and I love because I needed that. But now that I read it, I'm like, man, 
that was good. I want to read some more. Like I just crave it and I just want, I hunger for it and I want to read my Bible every day and I want to get more on a personal relationship with him. And that's how it should be. He wants that intimate relationship with him. It's been almost two years since my divorce and my son and I are in a very safe environment and very happy. I'm actually about to celebrate a year of dating someone It is the first relationship I have ever been in with another Christian. It was kind of funny at first because I was like, okay, how does this work? What do we do? Is it in September? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is incredible. (laughs) Yay, September. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. So we went on our, we, we did the whole high school, middle school thing. Like, okay, we went on our first date in September. But we didn't become like officially boyfriend and girlfriend until October. So we say October. No, I'm counting our, September. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go ahead and count <laughs> September. And his birthday's in September. Yes. It is a great month. It is. This is going to be an incredible. awesome month. Yes. <laughs> so our relationship is very Christ centered, and it has been an amazing experience and journey. And it's been a lot for him, you know, to take on this role, not as just a boyfriend of someone who. I guess was like in the past just crazy, but he's stepped into a dad role. When River and him are together, like I don't even exist. I might as well just not even be there, Best which is friends. how right, which is how it should be. Mm. But then I'm like, okay, I'm still mom. I'm still over here. It's been a really great experience. And my parents, like I said, we have a great relationship. They have a great relationship with my boyfriend, his family, they're Christians. So it's like, a completely different atmosphere than what I thought I was going to be raising him in. It's been awesome. And even my extended family, because I heard a lot of people whenever I was, I call it my wilderness years. And I heard a lot of people during that time. And I think that they are slowly bringing me back in and letting me be a part of them. But to me, I'm an advocate for actions speak louder than words. Because there were so many times that I said, like, I'm sorry. Or I would cry at my family, like, just please forgive me. But then the next day I was doing right back what I was doing before. So now that I'm actually showing them what God has done in my life and letting them know, like, this is real and this is what I want, they accept me more. Some of our relationships have gotten stronger. Some of them still need a little bit of work, but we're slowly growing and maturing into that relationship that it could be. When I've always said, too, that our pain can have a purpose, God has a purpose for everything that happens to us, even if it's his will or even if, unfortunately, it's something that we do out of flesh. There can be a purpose from our pain. Yeah, I try, if everything that I do, and whenever I try to speak God's love and about his grace and what he's done in my life, I try to reference scripture. I'm still learning a lot of scripture because there's a lot. And, um, it's a big I, book. Yeah, it's a really big book. It's a big book. <laughs> yeah. So I try to reference a lot of scripture because that is one thing that never fails or forsakes us, and that is God's word. And everything that you go through, like if you're struggling with love or you're struggling with finances or you're struggling, you don't feel good enough or depression because I went through my depressive phases and I still get down sometimes, but it's not nearly as lonely as it was because I know that God is with me during those times. But there is scripture for everything that you go through. And I just think that we need to lean more on his word because it always was, it always is, and it always will be. And that's in God's word. I love his promises because you would make a pinky promise with your sister or best friend when you were little. And then you go whisper it to everybody else on the playground. And cause you Not know, if it's a pinky promise, right, right. Pinky promise with a kiss, <laughs> but uh, like God's promises are, is that an animal? 
Okay. Well, there are animals too. <laughs> but yes, there's animals. Yes. But God's word promises that he is faithful and he is true and he will never leave us or forsake us. So that has been the most comforting thing to me throughout this whole process. And knowing that I have support and love from people who I care about and that they care about me has been very eye opening. And it kind of makes me think like, well, I missed out on nine years of this, but I have the rest of my life to discover that and make that bond with people and spread his love yes and I just want people to know he's just so gracious and he's gonna he loves us no matter what we are going through and as we start to hear kids in the background on the trail which is just such a beautiful sound I love I mean I love kids laughter anyway but when they're outside playing it's so wonderful so do you have a message for any of the single moms Yeah, I would just say don't ever think that you are alone or in this alone because you're not, even though you may not have someone physically there with you, like a best friend or a parent or a sibling or an aunt or any any type of family reaching out to you. That's why it's so important to me to get involved in a church and have a church home because I notice the people at my church do, they truly do love and care about you and want what's best for you and your child, as long as it's God's will for your life. Besides just having the people physically there, God is always there and he's always going to be. And he is the number one person that you should run to with everything going on in the world. I'm a very fearful and anxiety driven person, but I know where my trust lies and my hope lies, and that's in Jesus Christ. And that is the biggest peace that I have been given. And that's what gets me through parenting is, okay, well, God, right God's now. on my side. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, he allows us to take precaution and gives us red flags to look out for. But he is the ultimate protector, and he will always, always be there to guide you. You just have to lean on him. And so we always end the Trails and Testimonies episode with a quote, with an encouraging quote. Happy trails to you is what we like to call it. So do you have an encouraging, happy quote? I don't have like a bubbly quote, but it is a Bible verse. Which I feel like is, yeah, and it's better. That's better than a quote. Right? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And the all is underlined in bold italicized. Yes. All your ways, submit. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) Courtney, thank you so very much for coming on Trails and Testimonies. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. I love it. Even the sweat and the ants, like, right? you know, God created all that too. So I don't know about the ants. Right. I don't know why. They're part of the ecosystem somehow. Bye, guys. Bye, then.